All things automotive with the petrol head, Niku Smith. <laughs> exactly that I turned to Um Niku. Uh, well, <laughs> our, listeners, our listeners call you Um Niku. They love you. They I'm, call you Um Niku. Yeah, I don't think all our listeners call me Um Niku. <laughs> no, they call you that <laughs> handsome chappy called Niko, that young gun called Niko. Yeah, um, I know. yeah, that sounds that sounds more interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you going hunting with the baby sharks, Nico? <laughs> well, I have, I have, I have. Um, a few December's ago, I was swimming, and eventually, um, there was a, 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 a great white about probably about seventy meters away Jeez. from me. Uh, yeah, that I didn't see. Somebody came down from the top and told me, "Hey, you know, don't go that far into the sea." And that was yeah. it. Uh, at Plainbrook, so I have I have been fairly close, but uh, I try and hey, you scoop dive, you actually want to see them. But yeah. let's not let me not digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nico, I'll so, have you know that um, the executive director, uh, Dr. Crispian Olva of the Presidential Climate Commission, was was very complimentary about the fact that you've been covering electric cars in the show. So, uh, I just thought I should just give you the big shout out for that. Awesome, awesome. I think there's definitely um, lots of talk in South Africa, and 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 I, I know that um, uh, there's been companies that have been speaking to government to say, you know what, um, this is definitely um, a lot of manufacturers. I mean, you now exactly now what happened in, in Glasgow. So the push is obviously worldwide to lower emissions, but we'll talk about that because there's also unfortunately a, another side of this. But in reality. More and more electric cars are going to be built by big manufacturers. They they're being pushed to lower the CO2 of the vehicles, so that then becomes a reality in South Africa as well for us. Um, so there are about uh, plus minus um, 300 charging stations now currently in South Africa. Um, so it is actually um, I think the network is okay. It's it's more than enough to get yourself around. And to be honest, currently most people that buy electric cars will probably buy them. Uh, when they're, they're more high-end cars. So we don't really yet have small little cars um, or entry-level electric cars. But I think the push will come and we'll see that more and more and more. Um, so as I said, I, I recently drove a high-performance car and, and the electric car that was had less performance, simply the way the car drove or delivered the power, is almost to an extent more enjoyable. So as you know, I'm quite a big fan. But the other side of that is quite interesting because Volkswagen now said that if you and, and actually Volvo said exactly the same. I read two articles this week about this. If you look at the CO2 uh, that is needed to produce an electric car, um, it's much more than actually to produce a. Uh, a for instance, mm. Volkswagen said okay, the CO2 needed to make an ID3, which is an electric car, um, is much more than the CO2 needed to make a diesel Polo. So definitely, there are other factors. I think that still has to balance it out. Volvo said that I think you have to drive something like 70,000 miles before you offset the CO2 that's needed in production. So, of course, there's always the other side of that coin for electric cars. Um, but the way that they drive and the way they feel is something I quite enjoy. And, I, and, I, and, I, and as I said, manufacturers are doing that. So I, I think it's also good that government is starting to support that more and more. And there are other companies as well that are looking at putting up infrastructure in South Africa. So, yes, that's definitely the way it's going. So let's see um, um, what government actually officially tells us soon. Hopefully that's along the way. So, Nico, um, you know, South Africans are highly innovative, and it makes me wonder yes. why we're not innovating more in our country around uh, uh, these kinds of things, around electric cars. And well, that... we did. We, we, you know, we had we had the jewel, and, and maybe the jewel was just a little bit ahead of its time. So, uh, you remember that project where 
it was a South African electric car. Yeah. But but sometimes um, cars are just uh, the, the the time isn't exactly right. The manufacturers are you know you want to start early, but sometimes you know people aren't right. And uh, when I speak to anybody about electric cars, Michelle, the the, the, the sort of ESCOM issue comes up immediately. Yeah. Which I mean you, you know how bad it's now. It's really frustrating. But that wasn't something that, that bothered me personally while I had the electric cars, ESCOM, because you can drive at least 300 kilometers on a, on, on a range, um, so you don't have to charge the car every day. Um, but the jewel was there, and I think the jewel was a fantastic South African concept, but South Africans also weren't necessarily right. I think we, we more and more people are getting into it, but I still, when I speak to somebody about electric cars, there's always still sort of a pushback. Um, and, of course, factors still make it it's too expensive currently to buy electric cars, for most people, the infrastructure is getting better. We are all concerned about our electricity delivery. But um, um, I think the cost of just developing it is, is also then really, really, really a lot. So develop new batteries cost huge money So um, and new technology. And I think that's unfortunately maybe the thing that halts us. It's not our innovation, but the money backing behind it. Jeez, I mean, it, it does feel like this is like an opportunity that shouldn't be missed and that every single engineering school right now should be working on with their students. Well, I think, um, you know, and, and maybe more people, maybe there's another call uh, like the tool that people are working on. Um, of course, um, you know, the, the technology moves so fast that as we, as many, you know, the, the batteries are getting better, um, the motors are, well, the motors are getting better. Um, so that as the technology increases, the biggest, actually the biggest hindrance for an electric car is the battery, the big frustrating thing, if I can call it that, it's the battery. Um, because if you look at a normal car, if you, um, you drive your car, the way I drive my car, the light goes on, I say, okay, where's the filling station? I drive there, I fill it up, and I keep driving until the light goes on. With an electric car, you need to plan, number one, a bit more, mm. but you don't fill the battery that quickly. That's the difficult thing with an electric car. It's not instantaneous. If, if you take a three-point plug at home, and you try and fill an electric car's battery, that could be between 30 and 40 hours from 5% to 100%. I mean, it's oh. ridiculous. Um, yeah. If you then, so in other words, one thing that you have to realize, if you're going to buy an electric car or live with an electric car, you're going to have to do some sort of upgrade to your um, power supply. But luckily, the cost isn't too ridiculous because if you have single phase at home, you simply have to go from a, um, uh, up to a 32-amp single phase. In other words, um, that can already be done with your infrastructure. You, you'll have to just do some changes, but then you're cutting down that time suddenly to 13 and a half hours, which sounds like a lot, but that could be oh, an easy long, overnight charge. It is a charge. long time, yeah. I mean, if you're going yes. to, like, as you say, it's, it's an overnight charge, which could make it difficult in itself. That's it. Um, so, Nico, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I've got a couple of questions for you here from our listeners. Okay. And I'll crack right into them, and then we can just okay, come back to, to what we were talking about. But um, Tokolo wants to know whether an alternator can be fixed. And I think Tokolo's written here, the brushes are okay, but I suspect the diodes are a problem, and the car is a Mazda 3 2010 model sedan. Yes. Um, when I was a student long ago studying mechanical engineering, we were um, fixing. So alternators can be fixed, but you also have to look at the, sort of the cost. What car is it again, Michelle, did he say? A Mazda 3 2010 model sedan. Mazda 3. So um, sometimes you can buy um, uh, alternators for not that expensive. So um, it's almost, you can buy recon ones, uh, recon one, so an internet search would help you. So I think, yes, you can, um, they can be um, fixed, but you can also buy, um, I would just do a bit of research, but definitely it can be done. Is it an expensive thing to fix your alternator? 
I don't know. Um, I don't think it's that. I mean, I would say no, it's not that expensive to fix compared to what other parts of the car would be. But because each car is different, um, I'm not. I don't know exactly what your specific um, cost would be. But yeah. you know, it's amazing. The you know, uh, uh, an internet search would be uh, where I would start. I would actually even phone Mazda. And I'd yeah. say, listen, what does that alternator cost for my car? That's where I would start. Yeah. Then I would find um, there's a lot of other um, spare star places. I would find them. Um, so I would just do a little bit of research. And sometimes the cost isn't a big difference between, let's say, a new one and a reconned one. Um, and then you can make a decision that way. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, maybe uh, Tukul is a fan of his Mazda as well. So there would be... Ah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Mazda's as well. They're, they're reliable cars that will keep on going for, for a long time if you look after them. Talking about cars that keep on going, someone has just um, sent a WhatsApp message to say motor cars sometimes last much longer than what people think. I'm driving a 93 Fox. It's a VW 1300 Fox. It's got a massive boot. It's a fantastic little car. But the brakes rattle, and it's really not supported by the people who sell these VWs today. Um, and I think we should talk about after-sales service with all the manufacturers, because that's a priority when buying a car. Um, which, I mean, it's an interesting one, because it does, if a car can last for, for that long, what is it, a 93, yo, a 93 Fox? I mean, then, yeah. it, that's just fantastic. I mean, that's like good, um, not, you know, sort of... Uh, environmentally friendly just making sure that's good service out of your car yes of course i mean it's it's almost 30 years old if you think about it that's pretty good Uh, you know after 21 years a car is considered a classic so um uh, you know that so and that car is is very simple in the way it works but i i I do wonder about the support um you know because um um of course you've got to look at a manufacturer as well from one side and say listen at, at what step of time do you stop Supplying parts to certain cars, but I'm sure some of the uh, that Fox's brakes. Um, I'm, I'm taking a guess here, but I'm sure you know City Golf brakes um, would be able you'd be able to fit some of them on there. But there's also a, a company called Goldwagen, which actually supports lots of Volkswagen products. So you shouldn't actually battle in my my mind at all to find parts for that little um, the, for the Fox. Um, so. Uh, you know what? I really am a believer as well. If you look after the car, it'll look after you. So if cars get, you know, they get the annual, annual services when it's needed, the oil changes or spark plugs, and when it's time for a cam belt, you replace that. Um, like, there's an example, a car almost lasting 30 years, and there's lots of these cars driving around that we don't even know about. So I do believe that, Michelle. Some cars, you know, some cars are just, they're just problematic, and some cars, they do much better. But if you look after any car, um, and that starts, let's say you're buying it from you. If you have mechanical sympathy um, for your car, in other words, you don't drive it hard and then switch it off and cool it down. You don't let it stand for a long time. Um, those things actually in my mind or what I think or believe is that does make a difference in how long the car will last. So if you um, buy a car, say, say you're the guy with a 93 Fox. I mean, it's a brilliant, <laughs> it's a brilliant uh, example. Is there a point at which VW say, sorry, we can't support you at all on this car? Well, yes. I mean, think about this. I, um, I'm not sure if you can go to a VW dealership and get parts for a Beetle anymore. Yeah. Um, because the reality is, uh, and this is just Volkswagen as an example, but any manufacturer, there's a point where um, there's not many of these cars around and it, it doesn't make sense necessarily to keep the parts. But as I said, something like a Fox, there's City Golf's being driven around, they're being serviced. So um, the City Golf is effectively, um, this all goes back to the Golf 1. So if you look at the Fox, or the City Golf, or all those variations that we had in South Africa, they effectively Golf 1s. So 
um, I'm sure that Volkswagen still supports some of the parts of those cars, mm. um, but there might be some specifics that you won't find at a Volkswagen dealership for a 30-year-old Fox. They might um, be in the Volkswagen Museum. It <laughs> might be in the Volkswagen. There's a nice one, by the way, in Eugene Lake, if you're a Volkswagen fan. But as I said, companies like Goldwagen, um, as one example, has a lot of Volkswagen support. And um, when we did racing, we used to buy our brake pads there. Of, of course, they supported us. So, um, mm. But the fact is that you shouldn't battle to find parts for that Fox. Not okay. at all, because it's a popular car. There's a lot of them around. Um, where if you have a Renault 5, as an example, in France, you might do quite well, but in South Africa, you're really going to battle to find parts for a Renault 5. That's just a different example. So it, more popular cars in South Africa than, you know, if you, if you have a Toyota from 1992, also probably going to find parts easier. So just some cars that were around then and were, were bought a lot, there is more support for cars that only, there were only a few that also then leads into when you're buying a car, you have to consider that. If you're buying a car that not many were made of and that's quite old, um, the parts are going to be difficult to find and they're probably going to be quite expensive. So just uh, seeing as we are talking about driving, we got a WhatsApp from Sharon Keith saying, how's it, Michelle? I'm driving down to Cape Town and listening to your show on SAFM. Brilliant. Sharon, drive safely and uh, hope that we can keep you entertained all the way down there. Also, Nico, you mentioned the Toyota um, Tossa in Bloemfontein says, Michelle, please ask. Now, this is in the, in the, in the SMS, Nico. Please ask yeah. Um Nico to check <laughs> out the Toyota Corolla Cross for me. When, it, when is it coming to South Africa? It looks really wonderful and maybe even better than the RAV4. Okay, so let's, let's do this. Let's talk about the, uh, the Corolla Cross next week. Um, <laughs> so that's fine. I'm, I'm, because I'm, I, I, I'll see if I can go get, get to drive one because I haven't driven one yet. All the press releases are out for it. Yeah. So I have the press releases, but I'll, I'll see if I can have a look at one and then we can uh, and go drive one. Um, and then we can have a, a, a nice informed talk about it. Of course, because Corollas are very popular. And the Corolla Cross is effectively taking a Corolla and making an SUV from that, which a lot of manufacturers are doing. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to do that for next week. How's that sound? That's, okay, you're not going to try your best. You're going to do it. You're going to make it happen because you can. Okay. You're that kind I'm, of a I'm guy. Gonna make it, okay, I'm going to make it happen. I don't want to overpromise. You know, there's one thing I hate is promising and then not getting there. So you I, can that's do why it. I want to go Nico, there's I only one thing you can't do yourself, <laughs> and that is kiss yourself at the back of your neck. What? Kiss, uh, kiss, yes, yes, that's, 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 what one of our, that's what one of our listeners <laughs> let us know this morning. Is that there's, there's, you can't do everything in the world. <laughs> you could try and kiss your elbow, but you can't kiss yourself on the back of your neck. Nico, we're going to go to a break. And if anyone's listening, you're welcome to WhatsApp, SMS, tweet, telephone, all those kind of medias, whichever one suits your, uh, suits your style and is part of your style. You're welcome. We're chatting to Petrolhead. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. We're chatting to our petrol head, Nico Smith, and uh, Tosa in Bloemfontein, as promised next week. Um, Nico will um, <laughs> look. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're driving this Um, Nico thing now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am so not. Listen, I've been called Tani. Plenty of time. You just no, don't. I'm... You just don't hear it on Sunday mornings when we do a breath of fresh air with the really? kids. They they always like <laughs> Tani Michelle. They it's incredibly polite and sweet, and they just yeah. 
anyway, I remember. Yes, so, I remember being the the first year when I did national service. Uh, I was called uh, uh, Wim by a kid, which surprised me. So yeah, I've been called Wim a few times already. And you were probably only nineteen at that time as well. I was just yeah, I was nineteen. So yes. <laughs> so Nika, I just want to go back to the electric cars because mm-hmm. you know, you you mentioned it earlier, and I see Claire, who comes from the garden route, says, in a country of vast distances and ESCOM, electric cars are the most ridiculous idea, but good for <laughs> exports. Now I I would disagree. And and the reason I disagree is is not I mean ESCOM does is a challenge and you mentioned that and how one resolves that is something to deal with, but there are many many countries with long distances where people are driving mm. electric cars and maybe you could talk about that. So um, you know why electric cars are an issue um, again it's just that the, I don't want to call it the damn battery but that's the reality of these the cars is the battery so. Um, you know, as an example, when when you charge at home with a three-point plug, um, it I, I I charged the car for 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 one hour, and within one hour I got only three percent battery charge, which is really really ridiculous. Mm. However, um, that is all um, charging with, and I'm going to get a little bit technical with alternating current. So what happens is alternating current is what you have at your wall plug, and that's great for sending over long distance. So everything in your house works with alternating current. But your cell phone, as an example, the battery is actually charged with direct current. So your charger is what we call is effectively a, 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 a converter that takes your alternating current and makes it direct current to charge the battery. So any electric car actually has to have an onboard charger, which actually changes the alternating current to direct current to charge the battery. So if you want to drive long distance by charging an um, alternating current, it just takes too long and the power output is not, not great. However, at the charging stations, it is getting better, and they now look at things like um, 60 kilowatt um, charges, or f- you know, 50 or 60 kilowatt charges. So those things can, within let's say two hours, um, get your battery from 5%, which is let's say 5%, because that's normally the example we use, to 100%, and that's a 50 kilowatt charger. So, um, and then you can do let's say three or 400 kilometers on the current cars. The new cars will get much better. So what is happening is. Because it's, first of all, direct current, these charges, they charge directly into the battery, which means it's faster, and the output is more. So even if you're going along the garden route, I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was driving from Cape Town um, to Port Elizabeth along the garden route with an electric car. Really? And exactly that. Um, so the, the, the only thing that will take a bit of change, or uh, something we have to get used to, is that the charging time still isn't great. So it still does mean that um, you probably want to leave it about 80% battery. So it's going to be when you're stopping after 300 kilometers or depends on the car, maybe a bit more, you're going to have to take an hour and a half break, which for most of us, we're too much still in a rush. But the battery technology is getting better, so the range is getting better, and the charges are getting faster. So some cars can charge at 150 kilowatts. Um, the Porsche Taycan can go up to, I think, 350 kilowatts, which means that these cars, within half an hour or more, you can charge the battery um, or get the capacity up, and it's getting faster. So um, I mean, one, one can definitely start to think about them as runarounds for one. Hey? Like, oh yes. I oh, mean, yes. the idea of having a petrol car, I mean, an electric car for a runaround, if one could, if we could afford it, if we could all afford it, would be really, really amazing. Mm. Um, I think the second thing is to to address the issue of when petrol stations start having um, electric chargers at the stations mm. as well. And I suppose the third thing is, and, and, and Claire, I mean, I, I hear your concern, but, and, mm. and the reason I say that I don't agree that it's the most ridiculous idea is because I think that we, 
we we assume things in the present and we don't think that there might be an opportunity in the future and we need to be working now for the future as quickly as possible. So instead of just thinking it doesn't work now, so therefore it doesn't work, we need to think, okay, if in a few years' time we could make it work, what do we have to do now to make it work then? I think you exactly that. I think you raise a good point. That's why, you know, we... We need to, because um, the, the electric cars are taxed quite a lot. So if the tax goes down on electric cars, if there's better support for charging stations, exactly that. So as a, if you're just living in the city and you're driving in the city all the time, electric cars are fabulous because they, they're very car. convenient. Yeah. So, so I, I agree with that completely. The big thing is if we think of what's going to happen in the future, because the reality of, is, is this. The manufacturers are pushed so hard to make electric cars that the manufacturers have no choice. So if we fall behind in South Africa, what will eventually happen is there will just be less and less internal combustion engine cars. Also, look at the production in South Africa. We make BMWs here. We make Mercedes-Benzes here. We make Toyotas here. We make Fords here. We make Volkswagens mm. here. So all those manufacturers eventually going to have to start making more electric cars if the worldwide demand is less for internal combustion engine cars. So, and, 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 and the motor manufacturing industry is a big part of our South African, um, what do you call it, um, GDP. Sure. Um, so effectively, um, we, we, we need to support that. And as exactly what you said, we've got to sort of have a long-term future. So for South Africa, the electric cars are in the infancy. There's not a lot of them, a lot of them around. But it will probably change in 10 years' time, in, in 50 years' time. It'll be different. It could Remember, be. Le- I, I think you- it's less than 50 years. I reckon that oh, within yes, 10 yes. years' time. But, Nico, yes, I'm yes. going to have to put a pin in it because I've got a question from Louis. Louis, are we going yes. back in time now? So Louis is saying, please put this matter finally to rest. Louis says, <laughs> okay. does cruising in neutral really save fuel, especially in ordinary day-to-day driving. As I understand it, modern engines make this popular exercise actually pointless, as fuel is no longer being... There we go. Louis, listen to what Nico says. Modern modern engines when you're driving, any modern engine, as soon as you take your foot off the gas, it cuts the fuel. So um, you can have a look at your trip computer. So if you look at your trip computer, um, it'll show you instantaneous fuel consumption. So um, um, most cars, actually, it is actually a pointless thing because the cars are designed different ways. So some cars would coast which would disconnect engine and gearbox. Um, so some cars would cut the fuel to the engine. Some mild hybrid engines actually completely switch off. And the problem with coasting in neutral is a dangerous, dangerous way of driving because if you suddenly have to react to any emergency, you can't because the car is in neutral. Another danger is that you might find the wrong gear, and then what happens is the engine speed and the wheel speed isn't at the same, so the car might actually spin. So um, even going back to the 80s and 90s, that was always a, a, a bad habit and a dangerous driving habit. And nowadays, anyway, it's pointless because the cars, as I said, for the previous reasons, they're cutting off fuel or doing other plans. Okay, to, we've put to it to rest finally, dispelling the myth for once and for all. <laughs> Zelma, stop putting your car into neutral. It doesn't yes. work. Okay, quickie, quickie, quickie. Um, Someone wants to say, oh, Nick in Hilton says, it's all very well keeping a good following distance. The problem is that increased following distances increase tailbacks on the freeway. No, it actually is the other way around. By making the following distance shorter, you break harder because of the reaction times, and that's why the, the backup happens. So if you get following distance, the traffic would flow, but because you're so close, you break hard, the guy behind you breaks harder, the guy behind him stops completely. That's the problem. So if you had more reaction time, you could react and traffic would flow better. So actually, it's the other way around. 
the, the close following distance is actually what creates all these traffic problems. There we go, Nick and Hilton. Urmniko has spoken. It's all about <laughs> the flow. Nine o'clock, time for the news with Luyanda. Good morning, 